Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, the only healthcare marketing podcast that digs into the digital strategies and tactics that help you accelerate growth. Each week, Cardinals experts explore innovative ways to build your digital presence and attract more patients. Buckle up for another episode of Ignite. Thanks everyone for joining us on the latest and greatest episode of the Ignite podcast. My first time hosting, our CEO Alex is presenting out in Vegas at a conference this week, so I get to stand in his place. My name is Lauren Leone. I'm the SVP of Client Services and Healthcare Marketing here at Cardinal. And I have two really amazing guests joining us today. I sound, you know, if you all think I sound smart in our podcast, really all I'm doing is repeating the smart things that Nick and Alex have told me. So um, this is who you really want to be hearing it from. We have Nicholas Van Winkle. He is the director of paid media here at Cardinal, overseeing all paid media channels, search, social, display, and everything else that we're going to talk about. His goal is to bring it all together for you and for our clients. And we have Alex Kemp, who is our five plus year resident paid search director, all things Google's Google ads. If you need to know something about what's going on in the Google world, Alex is your guy. So thanks for joining us, guys. Such a pleasure to be yeah, here. Happy beer. One of the first things we want to dive in, I want to get your perspectives. I get asked this a lot, but I want to hear what you guys have noticed as the experts in your fields. At a very high level, what have been some of the biggest changes in the digital space in the last five years? What's changed? Well, five years ago, I was essentially designing keyword level bids within paid search. I was manually bidding, which I mean, it's almost laughable today. That's how quickly things have changed. And, and why is that? It's the biggest, most overarching view here is the level of data that we have access to within our platforms has become far more fine grain. At one point, it was age, gender, household income, and location maybe some behavioral, maybe some site-specific. But essentially, over the years, that categorization has become finer and finer and more predictive of what the user, the human being at the end, is ultimately going to do next. So we can become more and more sophisticated with when we place our sort of our bets, how we place them, why we place the whole thing. It's all, it's all rather impressive at this point. And five years ago, we just didn't have that level of granularity. It was much more broad. And so what you had then was broad-based audience categorization within a manual keyword bidding situation. So those are two rather blunted instruments as compared to what we have today, which is I mean, fine-grained, sand grain level of granularity in terms of audience segmentation and categorization. And then machine learning as to predict exactly what the user, where they are in their journey and how to speak to them. And then in the last five years, it's just become so much more sophisticated. That's that's what I would say. And Alex, I'll, I'll ask you to answer the same question. And then I have a follow-up already kind of in my mind that I want to ask you. But let's let me get your thought first on just what you've seen as the biggest changes. Yeah, I mean, I would first of all, I agree with everything Nick was saying there about the level of detail we have now and our kind of reliance on you know machine learning and, and algorithms and all that. The other kind of perspective I would add in is kind of around how much digital media people consume nowadays. You know, I would say COVID in 2020 kind of pushed us maybe five to 10 years in the future of what digital media consumption would look like on kind of a normal timeline where, where COVID didn't happen. So, I mean, we've seen 
on our end um, for, for several different industries and verticals where search volume has just gone, gone through the roof on, on paid search. So if people weren't already turning to the internet to solve their problems when it comes to finding solutions, they're doing it at even a greater rate now. So like I said, I really think that 2020 kind of pushed us into the future a little bit. And the way people consume media now is so different. And it is at a level that is so much higher than five years ago and even you know in 2019. That's kind of another shift in the landscape, I think I would add in terms of how, how digital marketing has changed. I do a lot of the intake of our, you know, prospective clients who want to work with Cardinal. And most of what they're saying is my old provider referral source has dried up. It's not as strong as it used to be. I can't rely on it anymore. I don't know where my patients are finding me, but somehow I need them to find me. So you're absolutely right. That's that we've heard that kind of in the field quite a bit over the past year and a half. When we are exploring those new partnerships, one of the most important things for Cardinal in scoping those is auditing what's currently going on. So Alex does a lot of our audits here at Cardinal. If you've ever sat in on a presentation with me where we're going through an audit, most of of that information has actually been dug up and uncovered by Alex. So Alex, what are some of the outdated strategies that people are clinging to? What do you see in those accounts that people just can't seem to break the habit of doing, even though the engines have evolved so much? I think piggybacking on, on what Nick was saying about how bidding has changed and, and how we use the platforms to our advantage. Back in the day, we had very granular campaign structures where we were saying, you know, every service that a client has gets its own campaign because we as the humans know better in terms of how to allocate budget to that service or to those keywords. We were breaking campaigns out by like match type and maybe even device. So things were just very granular. And that's some of the things I, I see sometimes where I look at an account and you know it might be for a single location if it's a multi-location or if it's multi-location, but I'll see way too many campaigns for, for what they're spending and, and what their objective is. That's one of the biggest things we see is how is the account organized? Is it organized in a very granular way to maximize control? Which is to answer your question, I think that's eventually what it comes back to for people who go that route is I want to maintain the control because I think I know where that budget should go and I know how I how I should bid for each of these keywords. And like you suggested, really, the, the platforms have evolved so much that there are things that we should be delegating to humans and there are things that we should be delegating to the platforms. And I think that has just shifted where we're giving away more, uh, we're kind of giving the platforms more more reign to to kind of make changes and 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 uh, kind of optimize the campaigns where humans kind of play a slightly different role compared to, to maybe five years ago. So maybe red flag number one becomes if you're not discussing on a regular basis with your agency or your team or your contractor, whomever you're using, what the AI is doing and how we can lean into it, how we can take advantage of it while still you know, deploying our, our human marketing thoughts, that maybe that's a red flag or something you want to bring to the attention of your team and say, what could we be doing better? Yeah, I would love to. Nick, and you've got a global perspective here of multiple channels. So I want to hear what you have to say. Well, something that I, I might suggest is outdated is putting too much anchoring yourself too much to the keyword at this point. Keyword does give you a high level of information. It will tell you the intent of the user, but there are so many other signals that are in play at this point. Essentially all the other behavioral and audience-based signals that can tell you where the where that particular user is in their journey. And the keyword is blind to all of that. So what you essentially find is the old-fashioned way is, and what you still see marketers doing today, is putting too much emphasis on keyword-level bids and not using all of the audience-level information 
next to the keyword level intention to make a more sophisticated bet on what the user is going to do next. So you got to get out of the keyword game and expand into the audience game as audience now trumps keyword in terms of even intentionality. I think that's a great segue because a lot in the user experience space has changed too. I mean, Nick, what is your suggestion to people listening to this on how to do that? What's one step they can take in their campaigns to be more user and audience centric and less keyword centric? Well, it's, I mean, there's so many ways into that. The first way is the structure of the account itself. No longer can, as Alex was suggesting, hyper segment these things. You have to build the thing in a way that accords to the bidding technology. And there are right ways to do that and wrong ways to do that. And if you do it wrong, you essentially hobble the algorithm. When you you do it correctly, which is to say, give the algorithm as much information as is possible to find the patterns that you want it to find, then you set it up for success. So frankly, the structure, so much is born of just the right structure. And beyond that, you really have to get the conversion right. I wonder if I'm going to start grinding an axe here. Like In the digital marketing space, we make a lot of hay about efficiency, and we should. But often, we can set up systems that find efficiency, which is to say, let's say more and more, cheaper and cheaper clicks, or cheaper and cheaper phone calls, or cheaper and cheaper form fills. And like this looks great on on our end. And look, the system overall is becoming more efficient. However, none of that efficiency ultimately is connecting to the effectiveness. It's not actually connecting to your business in the same way, or it's it's much more tenuous in the way it's connected to your actual business goals. So connecting the conversion from the business to the actual levers of the digital is probably about the most important thing you can do after you set the thing up correctly. That's a fantastic tip. I uh, I think a lot of people, you know, are looking for how do I get my CPA down, and they're wondering why is my CPA three x on Facebook? I just need it to go back down. When in reality, they should potentially be focusing on how do I get the highest quality out of what's now available from these platforms, whether that's through messaging, through the ad assets, through the landing pages, or through the ability to bring this data back into the engines so that we can actually inform them on KPIs that really matter to the business. So I think you summed it up perfectly. Yeah, I ultimately want to make some of these digital efficiency touch points just, I I want to expose them as the superficial metrics that they are, the useful and directional, but ultimately not not the ground floor. And that's that's, that's what we have to do. Segwaying, but keeping in in with the data conversation, one thing that Alex doesn't get a lot of credit for is the fact that he also built, you know, essentially built our analytics team here at Cardinal when it was in its infancy. So I know he's he's also our resident data analyst. Alex, what do we have available to us in terms of first party data today? And how can we use that in a HIPAA compliant way? What do you have going on with some of your more sophisticated clients? where we're actually utilizing some of these pa- this patient outcome data to get smarter and smarter in our, our bidding. The overarching idea there is that, like Nick was saying, a lot of times we have a misalignment between what we're telling the system or, or the algorithm what we want versus what we actually want, um, which is business outcomes, which are patients, which are customers. And so when you have that misalignment, the machine will naturally go after what you told it to go after, which was calls and forms. And the way that kind of the offline first party data comes into play is let's not only feed the system calls and forms to to track and measure those first touch points, but also let's feed them what happened to those calls and forms. 
really those users behind those calls and forms. So what happened to those contacts once we got in touch with them, once they entered our CRM, you know, what actually happened to them? So if we can feed the algorithm, hey, I know you drove this call and you drove this form, but that form also ended up being a patient and you know drove a lot of revenue. So I want more of those. So what you end up getting is you're getting closer and closer to a kind of perfect alignment between your actual business outcomes and your bidding technology. The way we do that, like like you were saying, is really leveraging that first party data where we can get from our CRMs and say, okay, here are all the GCL IDs, not to get too technical, but here are all the, the users that actually turned into a patient. Let's feed that back into the system. And now we're, we're not only optimizing towards efficiency, like Nick was saying, but we're also optimizing towards effectiveness or, or quality, whatever kind of word you want to use there. But the idea is, how can we leverage our first party data that's already available and use that to better inform our, our efforts on digital? Um, it's, it's kind of how that, that comes into play. Alex, uh, a quick three bullets on what a tech stack needs to look like to make that happen. I mean, just give some tips here to, to people listening who are saying, wait a minute, I don't want to give patient information back to the engines. That doesn't seem compliant, but, but we know it can be done in that way. What tools do they need to make that happen? It kind of comes down to the what's called the Google Click ID, which I'll refer to as the GCLID. Um, the GCLID is essentially the identifying kind of string of letters and numbers that are associated with every single ad click that has ever happened, essentially. So the way this works is if you can get this GCLID to be passed into your CRM system as someone converts, um, you can track that GCLID throughout the, the kind of process of them becoming a lead and an opportunity. And then from there, you can strategically kind of import those, those GCLIDs into the system. In terms of the tech stack, it's, you know, having any CRM is going to be beneficial because you can have the ability to import that GCLID into the CRM. So then you can actually track it throughout the process. There's a couple different ways you can get this GCLID from the CRM into the platform. Um, you can use tools like Zapier. You can just use scheduled exports into a Google Sheet, or you can actually set up a full-on integration with Google Ads where it is on a regular 24 hours, Salesforce is automatically, or, or, or another CRM is automatically putting that those GCLIDs into um, the system and the system is matching those GCLIDs to the clicks and really you know, feeding in that revenue data. So it's a complicated process, but it's very important. And it's the way kind of the industry is moving and, and how Cardinal is moving, definitely. And some things that help that, things like call tracking software, right? If, if 65% of your activity comes through a phone call and we don't have the ability to track that phone call and capture a GCLID, then you know we're, we're in a tough spot, right? So maybe some things for people to start thinking about is, do I have a call tracking solution? Am I using CRM? If I'm not, how am I collecting and tracking this information? Uh, what capabilities do I have to push it back to my agency. So just just some tips there for everyone. I think a lot of what we've been talking about primarily has been within the, the view of Google, but I know there's a lot of diversifying of the mix going on within our clients in particular, and, and hopefully a lot of other uh, healthcare organizations are thinking about going beyond just existing demand. And Nick, this is where I'd love to get your opinion. What have you noticed change in the past 12 to 24 months with regard to channel mix as a whole? Our customers are, they meet certain criteria, most of them anyway, which are multi-local healthcare lead generation, which means you have to bring certain channel, uh, sort of a certain channel mix is sort of more ready-made for this particular type of, of client. And what we've, se- what we've seen over the last two years, maybe five, more generally, 
is that everything is kind of becoming paid search. And what do I mean by that? The, the hard and fast lines between channels are really beginning to blur. Before, essentially within this particular categorization of clients, there's a lot of ready-made demand. People are actively looking for these solutions already. And essentially, we just put paid search in market and collect them. And now we're finding that a lot of that lower lower funnel demand can live in what is conventionally thought of as middle and upper funnel channels. And why is that? Well, it's all, it's all the sophistication. It's all sort of harkens back to sophistication. What we're doing, what we're seeing, especially within the Google stack, is sharing of data between all of their sort of channel solutions, be it discovery or smart display or Google local or YouTube, any of them. So if you have a paid search channel in market, what you can essentially do is share all of the insight from paid search into those other channels. And what you can do then is essentially you can, frankly, I mean, in smart display, you can serve someone a smart display ad before they even know they're ready to search for your solution. So you really can get out in front of paid search. That's how sophisticated some of these solutions are. So all, all that's to say your channel mix is, is everything has... Uh, within the channel mix has the potential to be lower funnel given the capacity for data sharing. So it's it behooves the marketer, it behooves us to not just stand up paid search anymore. We're now obligated to stand up a whole host of channels given the lower, the high intention, lower funnel capacity that now lives is sort of nested into each one of these channels, right? So the mix is changing and the mix is actually going up the funnel. And it's not for the reason you suspect. It's because high intention lives now all over the place and we have to go find it. And what about remarketing? You know, there's there's the age old, you know, you can't remarket in healthcare, but Alex, what are you guys doing to kind of get, I want to say get around that, but in a compliant way, not not violating any rules, but to be able to stay engaged with a prospective patient once they've touched the brand in one way or another, whether it's through an impression of a display ad, a, a, an a impression of a social video, or even a search. Like you were saying, you know, with healthcare and, and Google, you know, more often than not, your marketing audiences are disabled. So another route we take to, to do that same thing is essentially use a third-party display network. So what that allows us to do is still, you know, get a pixel, place it on the website, collect an audience, but we're not doing it through Google um, and we're doing it in a compliant way. But we that still allows us to, like you're saying, re-engage with people when they've gone to the website, when they've interacted a different way with the website. Maybe they're staying on the website longer, visiting multiple pages. That's how we kind of think about remarketing because oftentimes... Like you're saying, you really don't have that option available to you within the Google Display Network. But there are other display networks that are available to you that don't have those same policies and the same restrictions that Google has. So that's how we kind of think about... Because remarketing is, is another huge part in that kind of entire funnel and, and journey. So it's still something that we definitely want to focus on and, and it's how we're adapting to kind of a changing world that Google is giving us. And I mean, Google put those in place for good reason, right? To not exploit what you know about someone's personal healthcare situation. What are the ways that you can do that in a compliant manner, Nick? I mean, how do you respect that information without crossing the line? I know that the line is something very important to you. And I know that we've talked about it a lot. So what are, what are your thoughts on it? Well, eventually, we're not going to be able to do it really at all, given those sort of cookie inevitable cookie-less future. So it's not even a HIPAA compliance issue. It's just a digital marketing writ large. How do we how do we navigate in this space when we can no longer remarket it? And Alex and I talk a lot about this. <laughs> it's tricky to know. Uh, how, let me just do. Can I just speculate for you? I don't. 
How do you, especially in the healthcare space, if someone visits your site, essentially, how do you get that particular user to interact with you in a way that they they can give you some level of information about themselves voluntarily, be it email or signing up for a newsletter or some sort of content? There's has to be some level of exchange. So that's what healthcare marketers essentially need to do is understand what is the this right exchange that can be made with the potential healthcare customer. And from there, you can actually mar- remarket to them, given that they've given away this information voluntarily. And then you can even perhaps produce lookalikes that look like the, uh, this user as well. So there's some ways around it. We're not there yet. We can still rely on more traditional or conventional remarketing in some capacity, but we won't be able to for much longer. So we are, look, this is a, this is a nut we're all trying to crack collectively in the marketing space. And we're definitely thinking through it here. And you're listening to me think through it out loud at you. Thanks for that. <laughs> I love it. That's why we've got you here. We just <laughs> want to know where where it's going. What kind of things do we need to be thinking about? There's no perfect solution yet, but it's something that, that everyone's thinking about. So that's what's most important. I get this question a lot, Alex. I think we actually got this in a meeting last week. It was a very interesting question. With everything we talked about at the beginning of this call around AI and algorithms and the fact that machines can, you know, they can decision quicker than a human can. That's just a fact. What do agencies or humans still have to contribute to the buying of digital media? Why are we needed? What can we do that they can? And what is your idea of the perfect marriage between AI and and marketing? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, the role of the agency and the role of the media manager has changed in that kind of like I was saying going back earlier, we're starting to delegate things to humans and delegate things to machines based on what those things are good at. So what are the strengths and weaknesses with humans? You know, probably not setting keyword bids for thousands of keywords based on, you know, tons of different data points. You know, it's probably not finding out the the perfect combination of headlines and descriptions in the ad. But what humans are good at are the actual assets that we use in the ad, for example. You know, what what are the headlines? Um, what are the descriptions? What is our messaging strategy? Um, even higher level than headlines and descriptions. Like what how are we even trying to speak to the user? And then you, you know, on the other end of it, you know, what are machines good at? Probably not necessarily syntax and using combining words in a way that kind of reads very well. And that's um, that's where they kind of I think you rely more so on humans. And um, and the idea there is again just kind of how do we how do we make best use of machines and best use of humans? So I kind of look at it as kind of a uh, synergistic relationship there, where you can't have one work without the other. You have to be able to you know guide the machine in the right way, and that's how I look at. Kind of agencies is it's almost like a kind of new age marketing kind of like we went from it's like full circle almost like we went from you know old school marketing like Mad Men era to kind of much more technical much more data focused um, you know when, when Google Ads came out and now it's kind of making a full circle again where the marketers aren't really doing the the super detailed analysis or optimizations they're really doing the overarching strategy and and the marketing itself so. Like I said, I think it's almost kind of like a new era and marketing is even more important now. Um, whereas before you could kind of lean on, you know, things like keyword bids and, and ad cost. Um, so that's kind of how I think it's, it's shifting. It's much more of a um, kind of old school marketing uh, world. And Nick, I want to pose the same question to you before we kind of close out this, this episode. You have visibility over other channels like social networks, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, 
what are your thoughts on how we can best, let's say, contribute to the algorithms of those platforms? Uh, we absolutely have I mean, have to use them, but it's how to how to put it. It's it's I mean, a calculator is is a supercomputer. Like no human can perform as well in, 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 as a calculator, but no calculator can then do anything other than calculate it has no general knowledge it can't it's not multi-discipline it can't go then cook me dinner right it's just has no ability to do the thing that it was pre-programmed to do so it's very good at the thing it's sort of designed to do but nothing else so the problem with the algorithms is the lack of context so human beings have to continually set the context right for the algorithm, the machine to go do the thing that it's ultimately trying to do. And we can set it up wrong and it can go find the wrong thing for us very, very efficiently. No context. So yeah, the, the relationship is human beings are very great. We're great with general knowledge, context. Well, the machines are great. At, I mean, they just dig deep wells, but they've got no ability to jump from well to well to well, right? So they so we have to use our strategic minds to deploy these machines to ultimately do the thing that we're trying to do, which is in many cases drive more appointments or conversions or anything like that. So it is, as Alex suggested, a, a very symbiotic relationship. And if you lean too much into one direction, there are trade-offs here. Like you, if, if it's all human, no algorithm, you essentially get none of the pattern detection and you can't find you cannot find the conversions. And if it's all algorithm, no human, I mean, this is, you're just making a mess for yourself. You, you have essentially a machine that has all the potential to run rampant and there's no context and there's no safety. There's no control. There's no one driving the thing. There's no one pointing in the right direction. So it's finding this sort of perfect middle between the two that we're trying to essentially instantiate for every one of our digital channels. So it would only be fair to close out a discussion on the evolution of digital by talking about maybe what's to come. And Nick, you alluded a little bit to this, you know, what some of the challenges may be when it comes to, you know, cookie, a cookie-less world. But I would love a closing thought from each of you. Nick, I'll start with you on anything that you see coming down the pipeline, good, bad, ugly, that you think marketers in the healthcare world need to be aware of. Two ends of a spectrum. Let's call this... Uh, uh... On one side of a spectrum, you have essentially really almost perfect consolidation for all of your channels. Um, you, and Google's in many ways standing this up right now with a, a product called Performance Max, which essentially collapses the difference between paid search, all the channels at your disposal within Google. Essentially, you just give it a budget, a problem statement, and it goes in, in many ways, creates customer journeys through all of their channels to produce whatever you're trying to produce, usually again, appointments and conversions. And so... There's this model where it's essentially really and impressively automated and marketers are going to have to grapple with that. It's like, we're going to have to figure out how we most effectively play within this space. And there's, for the reasons I just specified, this thing has all the potential to not have the necessary context. So there's plenty of human intervention that has to live within this even very consolidated product. But on the other end of that, you have... I mean, hyper-fragmentation of the channels, and this is usually born of antitrust. Um, and let's see what happens here in the next five years. But if Google and Facebook are sort of split apart by the channel level and essentially don't, and those channels no longer have the, the ability to communicate with each other like they currently do, the system's fractured again. And what we have is a whole bunch of siloed products that we as marketers then have to figure out how to sort of tie. We have to 
therefore fall back in what is to more of an old school funnel approach where we just like, this is, these are your upper funnel channels. These are your middle funnel. This is lower. And we start to we nurture people down in a much, in, let's say an older fashioned way. So those are probably the two ends, maybe dramatic ends <laughs> of a spectrum and what, what the future holds. Usually the future holds something in the middle. Uh, so I would expect something between those two extreme statements to be the true, to be the actual case in the next three to five. Uh, but uh, Alex, what, did anything I just said make sense? <laughs> no, I mean, I would, I would agree with, with some of them. I think to, to answer the question from maybe a little bit of a different perspective, I think with like all the changes that we've seen with match types in the past year, you know, with close variants and, and how broad and phrase and exact, how they all match to the search term. I think right now we're watching like the deterioration of the keyword, like in front of our eyes. Like if you, if you can't already say it now, it's like the keyword is almost not a thing anymore because when you say I want to target exactly Dennis near me, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be on that, on that search term. So, is the keyword even really an effective tool anymore? I think it is, but what I'm thinking is that in the next five years, keywords are not going to be the way you target. They're going to take keywords away, and it's going to be more around like loose signals that you can give the system, which is what we're seeing right now, Performance Max, where there is no keywords. It's saying you know these audiences are likely to have a higher conversion rate. Um, and that's where first party data and all this other stuff comes into play. But I think it's going to be a keywordless world uh, any minute now. And it's going to be even more important to get the creative right, to get your first party data right, and to get really just your that relationship between you as the manager and Google as a machine and getting that in the right place to kind of continue to drive the same performance that you that you're typically driving with the keyword. So that's my kind of hot take for for paid search. Sounds like a scary <laughs> world we're we're imagining here. <laughs> scary in the sense that it's just it's gonna be different than what we're used to and and we're gonna have to think about how to best live within it. So appreciate you both joining us today. This is your your episode of Ignite Digital Marketing and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ignite. Interested in keeping up with the latest trends in healthcare marketing? Subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review. For more healthcare marketing tips, visit our blog at cardinaldigitalmarketing.com.